Last time we discussed community, we looked at the lawyer who asked Jesus a very slippery question. Who is my neighbor? Jesus, in sharing about the Good Samaritan, made clear that we are to love all while the lawyer was just looking for a loophole. And so that question, who's my neighbor, it actually reminds me of my nephew. Three years old, they live in a little townhouse development, and Sammy knows his neighbors. So now when Sammy is going in and out from from living room to outside to play, if Sammy sees someone he doesn't know, you know what he does? He walks up to them and he goes, why are you here? Right? So like four weeks ago, I was at my sister's house, and there were some guys working on the sprinklers, and sure enough, they walked by, Sammy sees them, Sammy's alert, he goes out, he just walks right up to them. Why are you here? Right? And it's so cute. Um, But Sammy quickly identifies, okay, I don't recognize these people, let me ask them why they're here. Now church, don't worry, hospitality team, we will not be asking that question when we see someone we don't recognize. But this morning, I wanna give you our definition of a disciple so as to answer the question, why are you here? And to be able to answer why you are here is a proverbial flip of the switch that provides the power for our purpose as a church. We think that connect groups are part of the answer as to why you're here. And so I wanna give you the why for connect groups this morning. Connect groups produce disciples by providing opportunity to be Christ-like towards each other while growing more Christ-like through accountability, community, and encouragement. But when you look at that purpose statement, you're like, that's a lot of words, no surprise, Pastor Franco came up with it, right? Um, I want you to look at the first four words. Connect groups produce disciples. And so to understand the chief purpose of connect groups, we need to define disciple. And so here are the three levels by which we will define disciples. And the first level is this. A disciple is a follower of Christ who is committed to knowing him. Philippians 3, 10 and 11 grounds this definition And usually we use the ESV. This morning I chose the HCSB, Homing Christian Standard Bible, just because I like the way that it phrased it. And it says this, my goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. The Christian life is not just death, nor is it just resurrection. It is the understanding that thanks to Jesus, there is beauty and hope in death because of the resurrection. And so to be a disciple of Christ is to be committed in knowing that fully. And to commit to knowing Christ fully is not just some abstract thing. Through commitment to studying God's word, to prayer, to developing spiritual discipline, we show a commitment to knowing him. I think this passage also gives us a better, uh, also gives us a chance at better understanding a church value you've heard here countless times. People over preferences. When I'm committed to knowing Jesus through both death and resurrection, this empowers me to put my preferences to death because I'm committed to not being a stumbling block 
through my preferences. Jesus, the source of abundant life, is the only stumbling block there should be. Got one, good. And so Jesus, he is that source of life. He is the only one that should be a stumbling block. And by knowing Jesus both in death and resurrection, it empowers me to say, I will not let my preferences be something that prevents someone from finding Jesus. So I highlighted Jesus as the source of life because it leads us to the second level of defining a disciple, which is this. A disciple of Christ is connected in growing. A disciple of Christ is connected in growing. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16 helps give a biblical perspective on what it means to be connected in growing. This is what it says. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. First thing I want to point out, speaking the truth in love builds itself up in love. The only way to speak the truth in love and build ourselves up in love is to make sure that we are connected to Jesus. From there, we are to grow up in every way, in every way, not in just the ways that I like or prefer, in every way I am to grow up into him who is the head, which is Christ. But after being connected to the head, we read, the whole body is joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. And when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so it builds itself up in love. So Jesus is the source. But you have a part to play in this body building itself up in love. And the only way you can play that part is if you're connected to the source. And so to help discuss this this morning, I brought this along, right? Mike, do you need to charge your phone? No, I'm kidding. Um, Right? (laughs) I brought this along to talk about being connected to the source because it'd be pretty pointless for me to walk around offering you to charge your phone, right? Hey, you low on battery? right? Like California would be way better off if this worked, right? (laughs) Just walk around, plug in, right? But as much as this has to offer, if it's not connected to the source, it's pretty pointless, right? And so it doesn't make sense. And so we're going to use this to talk about being connected to the source because jokes aside, if we can be honest with ourselves, when we strive to make ministry happen because we think it should be this way, or we strive to make ministry happen out of our own strengths, gifts, or talents, do you know how silly we look? Let me show you. This is what we look like. Look at me, my millennial purse, right? No, um, right? We, we are plugged in to ourselves and guess what? When you, are, when you are plugged into yourself and you're the source, I got to tell you, you're going to find it hard to be humble. You're going to find it hard 
to say, I can put preferences to death. Why? You're not connected to the true source. And so that's why us as a body, us as a community, it only makes sense if we are plugged into Jesus, who is the head. And I appreciate that about Ephesians 4, 15, and 16. It tells us we are connected to him who is the head, and then just in case, it says, into Christ. So it doesn't just leave it like, yes, there's a head. No, 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 there is a head, and that head is Christ, and we are all called to be connected to Christ, because if we are all connected to Christ, it makes connecting to each other better. You know why? Because when we're connected to him who is love, and he reminds us of how much he loves us, guess what? It empowers us to love others better. Have you ever tried to love a difficult person? Pastor Stephen will tell you, no, I'm kidding, Um, right? And so we can only do that if we are empowered to love by him who loves us the most. And so we want to see you connected in growing, and we do believe connect groups are the number one way to do that. It isn't the only way. Next Step serves as another way to be committed to knowing and connected in growing, One reason I want you to take partner track is because if you want to be a connect group leader, you have to be a member. But good news, it only takes six weeks now. And so if you're interested in becoming a member, please sign up for the partner track that's starting in two weeks. Because it's a great way of showing being committed to knowing and connected in growing. And first steps, it helps you connect to Jesus as well. It's if, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, or maybe you know very little and you're curious to know more, first steps is a great step to take in being committed to knowing and connected and growing. But I gotta tell you something, both of those classes point to the same next step after taking them, and that next step is connect groups. Why? Because connect groups are the number one way that we equip saints to do the work of the ministry. We want you to partner with us in mission and vision so that this local body of believers all have the opportunity to experience their faith in both large community and small community. With Jesus as the source, being connected to him, it helps us connect to each other, and now we are empowered for the third level of defining a disciple. For the sake of not becoming a viral video, I'm just gonna move this out of the way. Um, And so, uh, first, repeat after me, committed to knowing, connected in growing, and the third level of a disciple, commissioned in going. So, we dug deep into the Dr. Seuss book of theology here, okay? Knowing, growing, and going. Knowing, growing, and going. Those are the three levels that we define a disciple. Committed to knowing, connected in growing, commissioned in going. And so we look at Matthew 28, verses uh, 18 to 20, the Great Commission. And I understand, right, it's, it's a little redundant. Commission and going, of course. We're gonna use the Great Commission as our scripture. And part of the reason was this. I just gotta be honest with you, church, right? I wrote out, Committed to knowing. And I was like, oh, this is good, right? Sorry, just being honest, right? Connected, connected and growing. I was like, okay, this is good too. Then I got to the last one, and the last one originally was generous and going. And I don't know if you know this about pastors and preachers, but if the first two start with the letter C, are you with me, (laughs) right? So uh, committed, connected, generous, it just didn't work, right? And so I was like, you know what? We're gonna go with 
commissioned in going, but I think when we look at commissioned in going, especially the Great Commission, I think it's very important for us as a body to understand what that means. So Matthew 8, uh, 28, 19 and 20, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Look at the word commission, co-mission. You are joining together or with the mission that has been giving, uh, been given. And this is a mission that it challenges us to look beyond ourselves and our circle of friends and to say, I want to see those who aren't yet a part of this community become a part of this community because I am willing to be the voice, the hands, and the feet of Jesus. And church, I have a new flash for you. The Great Commission applies to every single believer. No one is going to get to stand in front of God and say, Lord, listen, <laughs> this is why the Great Commission didn't apply to me. No, it applies to all of us. And because the Great Commission applies to all believers, when it comes to defining a disciple, I thought it was incredibly important to make sure that not only are we all committed to knowing, connected and growing, but that we all understand we are commissioned in going. And so I want to talk about connect groups a little bit practically here, right? Because first, let me say this. We certainly don't want to see cliques form out of connect groups. That would be detrimental to the health and the life of the church. And so there's two ways that we aim to produce this. Uh, sorry, two ways we aim to prevent this. First, discipleship that produces new leaders who can then lead new groups to reach more people. And then secondly, thinking evangelistically, who is someone I don't know that I can connect with by being in a group with them? We desire to raise up connect group leaders who understand we don't want to see the same six people in a connect group until Jesus returns, right? We want to see people continually connecting with others. We want to see discipleship, new leaders developed, and evangelism happening in each group. And if you're here today and you're like, you know what, uh, I am not meant to be a connect group leader, I've got good news for you. There's two ways you can partner with us in this connect group mission and vision. First is this, you might be the person who's like, I'm not so good at leading, maybe you don't want to do the facilitating of discussion, but you're a great number two. You're a great co-leader. You love being behind the scenes and just making sure that everything works. If you want to be a co-leader, let's talk. Because we want to empower our connect group leaders to be successful. And by having a co-leader, it makes life, it makes a group that much more successful. Maybe you're here and you're like, you know what? I definitely don't want to be involved in leading or co-leading. But you have a space, your home, you have a space that you can open up and say, I'm willing to let someone use this space once a week for their group to come and meet. You could be a host home, and by doing so, you're partnering with us in this mission and vision. The old, uh, you don't have to be a connect group leader to partner with us. You simply having a nice home that you say, you know what, uh, if this group wants to meet Thursday nights from 7 to 8.30, they can come and use my home. 
Because I can tell you right now, off the top of my head, I can easily think of at least a handful of connect group leaders who want to facilitate a group, but they're limited by the space that they have to offer. And so if you're here this morning and you're like, okay, I, I want to partner, but I'm not so sure I'm a facilitator or a co-leader, I want you to hear me. We can partner simply by using your living room once a week and letting a connect group leader have a space that caters to more people. Because when we talk about connect groups, there's three levels of connection that we emphasize, upward, inward, and outward. And it's this outward connection that when we talk about commissioned and going, it's this outward connection that I want to emphasize because connect groups are going to be the vehicle through which we establish a local missions program. So what do I mean by that? I mean that this semester will be the first semester that all connect group leaders will be expected to lead their connect group to do a local missions project. And that could look as simple as serving at a soup kitchen, going to a food pantry and bagging some groceries for an hour or two. Maybe there's someone in your group that lives next to the old lady whose yard is filled with all the debris from the storm. Her garage has been a storage unit for three decades. She needs it cleaned out. She needs her yard cleaned. Maybe it's your group mobilizing to say, we're going to go be the hands and feet of Jesus to someone who can't do this for themselves. But I want you to hear me on this. When I think about local missions, I think about how amazing a overseas missions program we have. All the missionaries that we support. And a couple years ago when we talked about sending half a million dollars overseas, how incredible that is. And you've heard Pastor Stephen say it multiple times, that we want to be an influence in the Pioneer Valley and around the world. And so it's through connect groups that I see us being able to build a local missions ministry that is equivalent to the overseas missions ministry that we have. Because here's what I think of. What if there's that single mom who doesn't know where her kids' clothes are coming from, where the next meal is coming from, and here is this big, beautiful, visible church, right? Oh, you go to Bethany, the church off 57? Yep, that's the one, right? Big, beautiful, visible building. Oh, we're sending half a million dollars overseas. And yet we're missing opportunities to go be the hands and feet of Jesus in our own backyard that need them. I can't help but think about her. In fact, when I dream of what local missions could look like, I dream of when we have, let's say, 52 connect groups. I dream of maybe one Saturday getting all 52 connect groups together and saying, go out into the community. Go clean up a park. Go clean up a street. Go help a boys and girls club get painted. Do something to go and be out in the community just to serve other people's needs. What if we had 52 connect groups that each week one connect group is going out to be the hands and feet of Jesus just to love people? Just to go and say, hey, Jesus said that even just giving a glass of water, let me go do that for people who need it. Could you imagine what kind of church we would be if week after week we are sending 8, 10, 12 people out into the community just to say, I came to be Christ-like towards you. I know that there's a need that we can meet. We're here to meet that need. What kind of, a, what kind of influence would we develop in the Pioneer Valley? 
Can you imagine the fruit of that kind of evangelism? And evangelism can be as simple as learning how to tell your story of how God changed your life. Because newsflash, no one can take away your story, right? No one can take away your story. If God has come and redeemed you, rescued you, and restored you, no one can change that, no one can take it away from you. And evangelism can be as simple as, I know how to tell my story. I know how to share my story. And so one thing we're doing uh, new this semester is that all of our connect groups are gonna be doing the same curriculum focused on evangelism called Contagious Faith. And Contagious Faith is described this way. Contagious Faith will prepare you to share God's love with others in a way that's authentic, comfortable, and impactful. With inspiring stories, fresh approaches, and timeless biblical wisdom, Contagious Faith will equip you to make a spiritual impact in the lives of the people around you, even in our increasingly resistant culture. This semester, if you're a member of our church, leading a connect group can be as simple as this. Could you find three or four people to meet together with to watch a video and talk about developing a contagious faith? Be as simple as that. And I have news for you. Growth never happens in your comfort zone. So if you're like, ah, that makes me a little uncomfortable, good. That's how you're going to grow, right? It's not about being comfortable. In fact, one of my favorite quotes about the gospel says, the gospel comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. The Great Commission has absolutely nothing to do with your comfort. It has everything to do with asking you to follow Jesus, wholly committed to knowing him, connected and growing in Christian community, and commissioned in going to those who don't know him. And yet sometimes we can miss out so badly on who we are commissioned to go to because we sound like the lawyer asking Jesus, who is my neighbor? Not so that I know who to love, but so that I know who to not love. If they're not my neighbor, I don't have to love them. That's why Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan. The person who was least likely, according to culture and society, to help was the person who stepped up and helped someone in their time of need. Ooh, we're quiet this morning. Okay, right? So Jesus has rescued, redeemed, restored me. If he can do it for me, he can do it for them. And so how much... Can we miss out so badly on understanding that we are commissioned to go? And it reminds me of this story about a pastor. A pastor who had done kids outreaches and youth outreaches. And he's, he's a pastor in this small church that's tucked away, right? So it's not on Main Street. There's not a highway going by that you see it. If you don't know the church is there, you would never know. And so because of that, this pastor starts doing outreaches, starts reaching families all across the spectrum, right? Rich families, poor families, right? Youth outreaches, kids outreaches. And now more people are becoming interested in this church. They're hearing about this church, and now there's a curiosity of going to this church. And so they do this huge clothing drive on a Saturday. So many people come, especially poor families. They came out. And they walked out with their wardrobe set 
for as long as it fits their kids, right? <laughs> Until the next growth spurt, right? But at least they were able to come. There were shoes, there was clothes, all of this stuff. And so there had been a, a church van that was sitting without being used. And so the pastor says, you know what? Um, I've heard enough from these outreaches to know there are people out there that don't have a ride to church that if I simply picked them up, they would come to church. So the van gets repaired. So the pastor goes out. And the first morning, it's just a mother and a child who come out for the ride. So they're talking, and that church, just like this one, had Duncan right down the street. So the pastor says, you know what? Uh, I'm going to bless this mom, this child this morning. Buys them breakfast. They walk into church, first time at church. Mother and child completely plugged in, ready to become a part of the community. Pastor's worshiping, he feels a tap on his shoulder, and it's a board member gesturing to him. They walk out into the lobby. The board member says, um, I noticed they have Duncan this morning. The pastor's like, yes, I, I, I bought breakfast for them. And the board member looks at the pastor and goes, do you think that was wise? The pastor's like, uh, excuse me? Do you think that maybe you're setting a precedent that the only reason people will Pastor just looked shocked, quiet, not responding, and then the board member said these words. They're not going to be tithers. Why are we bringing them to church? So I need you to understand, you can do a clothing drive to meet a physical need for someone in your community. But on Sunday morning, on Sunday morning, because they're not going to be a tither, I'm not sure we should expend effort to bring these people to church. That week, the pastor met with his boss, and the pastor was told, we're no longer doing the van ministry. All because some poor people might have been able to make it to church that Sunday morning. When I hear that, I hear someone who has the wrong definition of commission. I hear someone who has a financial perspective of commission. Because how cold-hearted must we be to think that because someone most likely won't tithe because of their financial situation, they don't deserve to come to church. They can come to church to have a physical need met, but they can't come to have spiritual needs met because they don't have money to give. That upsets me. Imagine blessing someone with breakfast and a board member saying that's unwise because they're only coming to church because you bless them. What if two people found Jesus because I bought them Dunkin' Donuts that morning? Sign me up. I will gladly buy breakfast for a couple that does not know Jesus if that meant they stepped foot into our community because I know God needs one opportunity to change a life. Amen. And guess what? Even if they don't commit their life to Jesus that Sunday, I know a seed's been planted. And what do we see in the gospel? One plants, the other waters. But who gives the increase? God gives the increase.
And so if you want to see the Great Commission fail, think about commission in the sense of finances instead of souls. Make decisions based on income rather than outcome and realize people suffer because of such a mindset. And that's not what the Great Commission is about. Because when I think of the Great Commission, I also think of artists. When an artist is commissioned for a project, they are commissioned because they have the skill set to make that project come to life. When an artist gets commissioned, it's because they possess the tools to bring to life what the person is asking for. And I would challenge you to think about yourself with the confidence which God has that you, the person you are, has the ability to fulfill the Great Commission because he knows everything about you and knows that your story of his redemption in your life can help you reach others. Amen. Listen, Jesus hung on the cross in shame and naked to take your shame because his story saves you. Your story no longer shames you when you come to Jesus. And it's because of that that we can be commissioned to go knowing I've been saved by amazing grace. Why do you think it says amazing grace, how sweet a sound that saved a wretch like me. When you encounter grace, you're fine with calling yourself a wretch because you know grace has transformed you. And if grace can transform you, it can transform anyone else. But the Great Commission, it won't make sense to you until you can answer this question. And so I just want to ask you, it's a very short video, but I want to ask you to turn your attention to the screen. I don't know, there should have been another video, but if not. All right, let's move on. So, it was my nephew Sammy saying, Bethany. Do it again. Bethany, why are you here? Bethany, why are you here? Right, Sammy walking up to someone he doesn't know. Why are you here? The other night, it was, uh, it was Riley's 2 a.m. feed, and so come down, you know, eyes still closed, no, I'm kidding, but um, come downstairs, 2 a.m., I have everything prepped and ready and whatnot, and um, I have a rapid charger set up for my phone right next to the chair that I feed Riley in, um, because I, I, I don't have one next to my bed, so I don't have like a set time to charge my phone, it's just random, right? And so um, at night, I know I'm gonna be feeding Riley, and so I have this rapid charger set up. And so uh, I come downstairs and take a, take a quick look, and uh, I plug my phone in, because I know I have about 45 minutes to feed Riley and keep her upright and all the rest. And so my phone was on 3%. So my phone's on 3%, I come downstairs, I plug it in. I'm like, okay, by the time we're done, I'm probably gonna be somewhere in like the 50 to 60 range. Right? And so I feed Riley, I keep her upright for 30, and then I pick up my phone, and my phone is now on 1%. <laughs> As I said, I don't have a charger next to my bed, so now I'm annoyed. <laughs> because this whole time that I should have been charging, in fact, the only thing that happened was that I, I got my phone got drained. And now, when I came downstairs, I made sure to look, because it's happened before, the wall unit, falls out, 
right? So you plug in on your end and you think it's good, but you didn't make sure that the other end was plugged in. So I was like, no, 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 I checked. I made sure the wall unit was in, so my phone, I plugged it in, but I made a critical mistake. The outlet that I was plugged into is controlled by a light switch. <laughs> I want you to hear me. I appeared to be plugged in correctly, both sides. And yet what was supposed to charge only drained because the switch wasn't flipped. And it's this type of connection that I think is the most unfortunate reality for many people who try to follow Christ. They appear to be connected, but the power isn't flowing because the switch hasn't been flipped. They don't know why they're at church. They don't know why they're following Jesus. Church has become something draining or a mundane routine, and so they're powerless. And you know what the most unfortunate reality of this is? That when you appear to be connected but you haven't flipped the switch, your first blame is God, and then your second blame is leadership. When you hear your church ask for more help or for greater giving, you appear to be connected, but the switch hasn't been flipped. And because of that, because you don't know your why, the power is off. Scripture speaks to this. 2 Timothy 3 describes the type of people who will exist in the last days. And in his direct style, Paul describes people who have the appearance of godliness, but what are they lacking? Power. And I want you to hear me this morning, that if church is a Sunday morning routine for you, well, I'm here because I have to be here, and I'm expected to be here. I would challenge you that this morning I think the switch needs to be flipped. That everything might appear right, but the power isn't flowing. You might be sitting here feeling called out or convicted, and I want you to know that's okay. The Holy Spirit moves through conviction to evoke a response because right now you have a choice. You can respond to the conviction you might be feeling or you can ignore it. And today, I believe that there's an opportunity for response because I believe that today, discussing the three levels of a disciple with a room of 200 to 300 people means there are people here right now that the Holy Spirit is doing a work of encouragement, edification, and conviction that we need to respond to. On any of these three levels, I believe there's a flipping of the switch that needs to happen for us, that we truly might become a united body moving in the same direction together. Bethany, why are you here? It's to become a disciple of Jesus. And a disciple of Jesus is committed to knowing, connected in growing, commissioned in going. Those three levels, they're not pick and choose, right? They're not build a disciple. <laughs> I'm going to take levels one and three, level two, I don't need. No. What we are saying is a disciple of Christ is identified as someone who is committed to knowing, connected and growing, and commissioned in going. 
by committed to knowing. If you don't know Jesus this morning, I want to encourage you to take that step to commit to knowing him. Knowing his suffering and his death with the hope of the glory of the resurrection. He is worth committing to know because he is Jesus. He has overcome death and he is the God who saves. Is there someone who's here who can say amen to being committed to knowing Jesus? The second level is connected and growing. Some of us may look like the disconnected power strip. We're walking around church like this. Everything we think we have to offer is powerless. Why? You're not plugged in into him who is the head. Or, look like this. I'm just gonna plug into myself because I know everything. I know how things should be done. I know how they should go. Connected and growing. I want to challenge you that if, if you're someone that you know, that right now the Holy Spirit is telling you, hey, I think you look as pointless as, as this. I want you to know that this morning there's an opportunity for you to respond to that. And for commissioned and going. I think it's very possible that in a church in America, that there are plenty of followers of Christ who have found a comfort zone they're unwilling to step out of. That it's not my job to evangelize, that's what evangelists are for. The pastors need to come up with good outreach ideas. Not that I'm gonna serve in it, but evangelism is on them. And maybe this morning you heard about being a follower of Christ who's commissioned and going, and the Holy Spirit said, I want you. I think you need to take that step, that maybe the quote this morning does apply to you, that the gospel does comfort the afflicted, but maybe right now the, the gospel is afflicting the comfortable, and again, that's okay, because growth doesn't happen in our comfort zone. Growth requires a little bit of discomfort and a little bit of stretching for that to happen, and so this morning, I'd like to ask you to bow your heads, because I have a few questions I want to ask you. And if it's you, I just want you to raise your hand. And I'm going to ask you to keep your hand raised the whole time. If you're here this morning and you feel that maybe you haven't been committed to knowing Jesus, this is first to those people who don't know Jesus at all, but second to those people who would say, yeah, you know what, maybe I'm not committed to the word and I'm not committed to prayer and I'm not committed to spiritual discipline. I need to take a step of showing commitment to knowing Jesus if that's you, would you raise your hand this morning? I want you to keep those hands lifted. Likewise, you're here this morning, and you know that you aren't connected and growing. You know that you need to connect. If that's you, would you raise your hand this morning? And maybe you're here and you've gotten comfortable with thinking the Great Commission doesn't apply to me. I don't need to be going, but today something resonated and you know God is asking you to join in the Great Commission. If that's you, would you raise your hand this morning? And finally, you're here and there's one thing you know and you know clearly. You've been plugged in, but you've never flipped the switch. If that's you, would you raise your hand this morning? 
Did I ask you as your pastor, to, uh, as one of your pastors, to trust me and just open your eyes with your hands lifted? Because for all the hands I saw lifted this morning, for this me- next part, I think it means no one is going to be up here feeling lonely. That across this sanctuary, I saw people who were willing to say, um, I need to commit to knowing Jesus. I need to connect in growing, or I need to be commissioned in going, or maybe just maybe you're the Christian who's that last story. I have appeared to be connected this whole time, but I've never flipped the switch. And so I say all that to say that a song is going to play now. And for the close of our service, what I want to ask you to do, I want to ask you to respond and to come forward, but first I want to ask you, would you take the time to listen to what this song says? This song is one that's near and dear to my heart, and I think you'll see it fits for what's happening this morning. But I think there needs to be a church-wide response of saying, whether it's committed to knowing, connected and growing, commissioned and going, or it's just flipping the switch, I am stepping in. And I'm saying, for all that God has called Bethany to be in the Pioneer Valley and around the world, I am committing to be a disciple of Christ here at Bethany. And so like I said, there were multiple hands this morning. No one should feel lonely up at the altar this morning. But I want you to, as the song starts to play, I want you to hear what the song is saying because I believe the Holy Spirit is working in us and that there's opportunity for a church-wide response to say, I am plugged in to this local body of believers and I am willing to be a disciple committed to knowing, connected and growing, commissioned and going, and making sure even at 2 a.m. the switch is flipped so that the power flows, so that I am not one who appears, who has an appearance of godliness and lacks the power. No, I am fully connected to him who is the head, who empowers me to be connected to others, to be committed to knowing him, and to be commissioned in going. And so the song is going to start to play. We're going to have pastors and prayer partners up here to pray with you, but I want to ask you, as the Holy Spirit moves and convicts, would you step forward as a sign of submission, of obedience, and of unity for us as a church this morning. You can start playing the song.